Hello, and welcome to Free Reeling It. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I have a very uh, a very fun movie-loving friend with me in Jesse. Jesse, hello. How are you? It is me. I am good. Uh, if I want, I want to say this ahead of time. Just if uh, Matthew sounds weird, he's in a cabin on his phone, and so there could be times where I accidentally cut what? him off. <laughs> Just like that. Uh, <laughs> yes, I am. I am on a. I'm on a my phone. I'm not a phone. Like I stole it from somebody. Uh, we had an impromptu trip to the Poconos this weekend, so uh, had to think on my feet in order to get things going. But you know what? This is. I mean, you know, Jesse, we're we're a couple of pros here. This, a couple this, of pros. This, yeah, we're real good at this. We know exactly what we're doing. Everything basically seems planned with as much as we win this. Anyway, this is our official episode two of Free Reeling It. And we decided to talk, well, at my good or ill idea, we decided to talk about 1996's The Phantom. Uh, it is directed by Simon Winter. Um, what in, in looking at this, I realized that man Simon Winter, boy, he's a, he's a if he were in if he were in a on a baseball lineup, he would be like somewhere between six and eight. Like he's not he's not batting cleanup, he's not clean up for cleanup, he's not getting on base. Like he's just like yeah. Well, his his filmography not terrible, but also not. Not the best. Um, I, feel, I feel like all of his notable things are TV westerns. Yes, yes. Um, which is which is interesting. I think a lot of that happened. I now I'm not going to speak for Australia as a continent or anything like that. But in my experience, a lot of Australian directors do cut their teeth that way. Gotcha. Um, but uh, so it now I, I did not realize I was as familiar with his filmography as I am, um, mainly because I remember I, re I actually remember a lot of these movies when they came out, like pre The Phantom. Uh, I remember the movie Daryl, which is an acronym, D-A-R-Y-L. Uh, I couldn't tell you what it's an acronym for, but it was a movie I watched a lot as a kid. And it has... It has the kid from Neverending Story in it, which I do not remember his name. I looked at it. And I'm like, I should write that down. And I did not. But it has the kid from Neverending Story. He was also in the movie Cocoon. And I, if I remember, he just out, out of nowhere just kind of stopped acting um, for whatever reason. But anyway, this is a really interesting sci-fi movie about if I, it, it's a kid who's possibly an android. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a, it's been at least 30 years since I've seen this movie. Actually, it's probably close to 25 years, but it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. Um, I do remember Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, which is a very interesting point in the career of Mickey Rourke. Uh, if I remember correctly, this was like early 90s. And it's, it's Mickey Rourke and a post-Miami Vice Don Johnson. What's so funny about this is this movie just came up when I listened to the kind of funny podcast. <laughs> That's the only reason I know it is because they were like, what do you know Mickey Rourke from? Do you know him from this? Yeah, like like other than the Iron Man movies, I can't I can't I other than other than the Iron Man movies in this, I don't I don't think I could name actually wait a minute, he was in Sin City, wasn't he? 
I think he was in Sin City. He's also like his big comeback was with the wrestler. Yeah, there, I do remember the wrestler, but like I was thinking like sort of pre all yeah, that. Like yeah. this only thing I can immediately think of. And it's just because uh, when I worked at Tower Records, we had a ton of this DVD and I don't know why. Uh, I do remember the uh, Tom Selleck starring Quigley Down Under. Yeah, I, I know that uh, one because one of those Westerns my dad had me watch. Yeah. It, man had a mustache that wouldn't quit. So, you know, put him in everything. I, I remember Free Willy. Um, and I remember seeing the his follow-up to Free Willy, which was Operation Dumbo Drop in the theaters. And let me tell you, uh, it wasn't great. Um, he Lots also of young did... Indiana Jones. <laughs> huh? Lots of young Indiana Jones. That's yeah, the TV stuff. Well, and and ironically, like that that TV show is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, based on memory, like I haven't I haven't revisited it. It's probably, you know, middling at best by this by today's standards. But I remember enjoying it when I watched it. He also did the easily forgettable sequel to crocodile dundee crocodile dundee in los angeles and he also did another forgettable i guess sequel sequel prequel in uh the young black stallion which uh not a bad francis ford coppola joint from the 80s but um young black stallion is not good his biggest thing oh sorry uh, I remember that being like I remember that being like a movie my dad picked out for us to watch the family at some point, yeah. For whatever. Um, but anyway, I'd say the most notable thing I remember on here of his is uh, Lonesome Dove, the TV miniseries. Yes, because my parents watch that so much, and they talk about it still to this day that they should rewatch that with me. I'm like, I've already seen it three times. We don't need to rewatch yeah. it. My grandfather on my on my on my dad's side big lonesome dove guy he would watch it at least seven times a year and usually it was with my dad drinking bourbon um but you know that's a, that's a kid in the midwest for you uh so on to stars uh this movie stars billy zane and you know when you when the, the when the name billy zane is ever brought up to me personally mm-hmm. i have nothing but contempt for the guy i have no idea why i is don't it titanic? I do, no it's not even tight i mean grand he's he he plays a very memorable prick in titanic but like i remember watching zoolander in the theaters go oh, fuck billy zane why i know i have nothing i have nothing ill to say about the man for some reason i just he he's one of the, he has one of those faces that is when I see it, it just brings forth the anger of a thousand sons, and I do not know why. <laughs> I could not tell you. But I learned a lot about Billy Zane going through his filmography. Did not know he made a cameo in Back to the Future 1 and 2. Yep. Um, I did not know he was kind of a mainstay of the Sniper movies, which there's some, there's some weird action for you. I forgot about the movie Memphis Bell, which was something that a lot of people growing up and you seem to like uh i forgot he was in poetic justice poetic justice is a very good movie um i forgot he was in the movie posse um which was basically like the movie young guns but with a with a black cast essentially 
um, and actually better dialogue and better action and just so much better about it. I also for completely forgot about the parody film, Silence of the Hams. Uh, and then of course, Titanic, Zoolander 1 and 2. And that I just wrote those all down just because they were the only ones that I had any immediate reference to. Yeah. Um, you find anything interesting in his in his filmography that you uh honestly this is the other than like him being in the back to the future back to the future movies i this is the only thing i've ever seen him in i've never seen titanic okay. never i never got through zoolander enough to get to his part <laughs> so like did it for like three seconds yeah <laughs> it's so, not... this is it he plays as him and he's uncredited smile <laughs> nice. and then like they pan away <laughs> Um, and then uh, another interesting one. I, if you would have told me that there was somebody named Treat Williams, I would have I would have not believed you. But he plays the villain in this movie, and his filmography is kind of impressive. He's, yep. he, he's in the movie Hair. He's in The Empire Strikes Back. He's in Steven's an early Steven Spielberg joint called 1941, where I believe he's well, at some point uh, alongside the late great um john belushi uh and he was also in i, I don't remember if this is if, if this is sergio leone's final film but he's in once upon a time in america which is which is crazy i need to step away i'll be right back you can talk about anything you found interesting in his filmography i bagel scratching the door so i gotta let him in uh from for me true williams is very interesting because i know him so much from tv He's in all kinds of TV shows. Like he's he's just like that dad character that shows up in every like two early two thousands to late uh, to early two thousand tens like teen dramas. He's just the dad. I'm pretty sure he's the dad <laughs> in like Everwood. Um, he's uh he's like the leading man in a couple of horror. Like he's one of those Hollywood guys that you're like, why why wasn't he a leading man? Like he has everything going for him. Same thing with um i forgot his name <laughs> the, the lead actor of this uh yeah billy Zane. <laughs> yeah like like both of these guys have like leading leading man potentials but i feel like the the big movies they picked are the the wrong ones yeah i i and i believe treat williams is a mainstay of the substitute series if i remember correctly a lot of those were straight to dvd though he's in a horror movie where it takes place on a boat i don't remember what's called off the top of my head um uh ryan Holland. Uh, is a great horror youtuber that just talked about recently look it looks like a like a really good movie that he's the lead hero in so oh really yeah uh, uh b- b- before we move on to another actor i want to talk about the the writer of the movie real fast though go right ahead um the writer is jeffrey bohm which i don't know much about his life but his filmography is something that's so fascinating because he the the second to last movie is technically the last movie ever written wrote he has credits for a movie in 2018 because he wrote the characters for it but this is everything up until the phantom and and tell me tell me when you the first one you do not know okay um the dead zone lethal weapon inner space the lost boys Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, movie? From The Crypt, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., and then The Phantom. Wow! Right? There's a few more in there that I personally didn't know that I kind of left out, but like that's a that's almost his entire filmography right there. 
holy crap that's insane and so it makes me wonder what happened to the script of the phantom <laughs> yeah or what ha- well you know now this is just what i know about the, the the movie making process and i'm not i'm no expert by any means but i do know that like the script that's turned in is not always the script that you see on the screen that's very fair they could have they could have botched it just on set i'm just so curious because yeah. we'll get to it but like the the first two acts of this movie i feel like are very good script wise it's the third act that really like bites the bullet for me yeah um i and i think i I said this earlier today to you uh it's not like it falls apart it's like it's cutting itself to try and feel something yeah (laughs) but um i'm gonna get i'm gonna go through the the two the two lead actresses um and then i will or the and then i then we can head to the film itself but um so christy swanson who i'm i'm pretty familiar with like I remember her from I remember her as Duckette from Pretty in Pink. Like she's the one that goes, she's the one, she's the girl that finally goes after Ducky. And she's prettier than Molly Ringwald. So John Cryer, you should have been aiming elsewhere anyway. Um now I remember the movie Flowers in the Attic, uh, mainly because my mother had maybe not every single VC Andrews book, but she had at least 30 of them it seemed like mm-hmm. uh a shelf of vc andrews books and i remember when she she watched flowers in the attic i watched mm-hmm. it with her and i'm like mom this kind of messed up but she's in that she's in the sequel to mannequin mannequin 2 on the move she's in the first hot shots movie which is the better hot shots movie and i don't know if i'm gonna incur your wrath here but she's in the best buffy the vampire slayer iteration she is buffy like oh that's the only one i've seen so <laughs> say what you want about you know josh whedon and sarah michelle geller christy swanson that's my buffy um she's in the often off forgotten joe pesci classic eight, eight heads in a duffel bag i'm pretty sure that's joe pesci pesci and she's in big daddy those are the ones that i like had any familiarity with uh, anything to add there? Nope. Okay, and then here's the here's the big one, and and I'll say weird one. Catherine Zeta Jones <laughs> is in this movie. This is before she became famous. Um, like she had done other things. Like prior to this, this was not her big screen debut by any stretch. But this is pre Mask of Zorro. It's pre Entrapment. It's pre Haunting. Pre High Fidelity and pre Traffic. So it's basically before Catherine Zeta-Jones seemed to rule Hollywood for a little bit. Um, so good for her. Where's she at all, recently? I don't, I couldn't tell you. I, I, mean, I if, looked she's, at, if she's retired, that's totally fine. She deserves it to live off your, oh, your wealth. But boy, I, I it, miss her being in movies. Yes, she, I mean, the, the. I do remember her being in Chicago and she, she like as much as, everyone seemed to love that movie i couldn't stand it uh, but i thought she was the best part of it uh by a by a stretch um there were other good moments but like consistently her performance in that movie is wonderful and uh but i don't i, I mean she's she's in she's as far as i know she's still married to michael douglas and 
probably just never needing to work again for the rest of her life. I mean, yeah, she, probably. I mean, and not to mention like her filmography up until, you know, even up, to, up until and including Chicago, she wasn't exactly in in bad movies. So, uh, except maybe the Phantom, but you know that that's neither here nor there. So, um, before we actually get to a play by play of the film, um, the Phantom is a superhero movie based on the Phantom comic strip that was first published in 1936. So at the time of this film's release, it was 60 years old and it's still going. So it's 85 years old. Yeah. And so like, I don't know how it's being published now. I've never read it, um, but th that's kind of fascinating. Like, I, I also know that most most of the bigger comic book heroes have been around for more than 50 years but still this is like one that i did not know prior to being aware of this movie and yeah. have really interacted with since so i think that's interesting that it's still going um now the interesting thing and i'm going to state this up front because it was already known for 60 years before this movie came out, the Phantom doesn't have any super superpowers. Um, and it's also, according to comics historian Peter Coogan, uh, a landmark in terms of superhero archetypes. It's the first to wear the skin tight suit, uh, the first uh, to wear a mask and you don't see pupils for, for the eyes and historically has more in common with magazine and radio heroes like The Shadow uh, the spider and Tarzan while also at the same time anticipating the likes of Superman, Batman, and Captain America. And that's from the Wikipedia article referencing Peter Coogan, uh, comic historian. Do you know Coogan at all or no? I've heard his name. Yeah. Okay. I just know that you're, you're more in the comic book world than I am. Uh, so I figured that was an interesting little fact to bring up. Yeah. But other, other other than that, I think this is the part. And I'm gonna, I, we didn't really do this last episode, but I'm going to say like from here on out, like the rest of this episode is going to spoil this movie. So if you want to watch it and you don't want to hear us kind of ruin it, we're probably going to to spoil a good a good chunk of, if not all of it. So, but it might make it better. Just saying that it might make it better. Maybe. I mean, well, actually, you know what? I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say, you know, I'll bet you our ad libs will probably be better than the no ad libs that went yeah. in this movie. Because, <laughs> like, they did not seem to ad lib at all. <laughs> anyway, let's get it started, Jesse. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to go super, like, entirely beat by beat, but I'm going to go through some of my notes because I wrote down some thoughts as I was watching it. And the first thing that I think is very important to talk about is how this movie opens up. It doesn't open up like bruce wayne's parents getting shot and that's how he becomes the batman it doesn't open up with a slow motion uh scene on on krypton as it's exploding and the spaceship is heading towards earth and his baby uh kal-el in there and he's heading to earth to become superman no this opens up with like a 30 second breakneck speed <laughs> montage of I yeah of the main character's dad getting stabbed by pirates him washing up on an island and then being raised by tribes people there that's it <laughs> and like, yeah 
and, and they even open up saying if you're just if you're just if you're just meeting us here this is what's happened like there was a movie before this or something yeah it's like we know you came in late yeah uh, which to be fair all, with yeah this is the fastest action in the movie yeah that's the quickest you're to the a, a to b yeah it's it's the quickest like all of a sudden because like i'm watching the scene i'm like oh we're just going let's go <laughs> But it make, it makes sense when you look at like the writer's history, is he mm-hmm. writes a lot of well not a lot, but he wrote the Last Crusade and the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. and even Tales from the Crypt is very pulpy. It's mm-hmm. the stuff that he wrote, and this movie has the pulp throughout. But yeah. it's it's how the pulp is executed that becomes the issue down the road. Um, yes, I I I like because like right away after that it hard cuts to like modern time, well quote unquote modern times. Um, so at hard 1938 <laughs> yeah yeah basically 1938 um and it shows these bad guys and like off the bat it doesn't like give you wiggle room if these guys are good or bad they are bad dudes because they make oh. a child drive a truck across a bridge that might fall apart yep and this is this is uh the oh god the bullshit that's already just on display just like oh of course they're gonna make they're going to make the brown child drive they're going to make the brown child expendable in every stretch of, and i'm like these that's one way to get me to hate you that's for sure and then right <laughs> after that though they go okay cool he drove can we shoot him yeah what <laughs> and the other bad guy goes no 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 tie him up we might need him later to drive back so these yes. are the bad guys. Yeah, these are the bad guys they establish. These are four adult men, one of which was already driving this truck. <laughs> like, oh, this poor kid. Uh, I wrote down in my notes before I knew this writer wrote uh, Indiana Jones movie. I wrote big Indiana Jones vibes. Fuck. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. There's some like they want the. I think well, he wrote the Glass Crusade. He didn't write yeah. Temple of Doom. But like, there's short round potential in this kid. Yeah, very all, much. and he's not speaking English. He's not. But all, all, all of a sudden, this kid is already the best part of the film, mainly because he's taking these bumbling colonialists and making them look stupid at every brief shot that he has that he has the chance to. Now, so, there's, there's mysticism in this movie, but it's never explained mysticism ever, like ever really and there's a scene in the cave where because they go to a cave and all these all the, all the bad guys are trying to collect find the skull that's the big thing these three skulls are they're looking for one of them mm-hmm. but one of the guys gets killed by a skeleton he gets yep. choked out by a skeleton and they run over and and the guy goes he's dead what happened the skeleton came alive and killed him skeleton's not coming alive now and all the guys go makes sense and they leave yeah, like, well, actually, one of them like tries to poke a hole and says, "Oh, that that's impossible." Well, tell that to tell that to the dead guy. Yeah, but like they don't even address like the skeletons. One not coming alive now that I'm near it, but two, yeah, they never come back to that. They never come back to these magic things happening ever. Nope. <laughs> um, and then I guess the kid cries out at some point, and that's when the Phantom hears him from his cave all the way out of nowhere. And he go, he says, "Okay, devil, time to go." Which is his, his wolf guy uh, that he hangs out yeah. with. 
so we're we're in the we're in the jungles of some of essentially I, th- I think that's I think that's where they're talking because I think the maps that they use later in the film point to gotcha. this being Africa. Um, and and so we've got Billy Zane just li- li- living in the middle of a jungle, and he has a wolf for a pet named Devil. Named Devil, which is a good name for a wolf. I mean, it's a good name for a wolf, but like also. <laughs> but okay, so so, okay, so Billy Zane is the fan. I was like, okay, we gotta go. We gotta take care of this kid. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's just action shots of the jungle and like birds cawing and animals screeching and that's still supposed to signal that the phantom's coming i guess and then and then he shows up on a white horse a white stallion going after these bad guys yes and and i think what is it well the we eventually find out that the main guy here the main the main bad guy is named quill and Someone looks at Quill and goes, "There are drums being played." And he's and he's like, "So he's like, well, what does that mean?" He's like, "I don't know, but hurry up, will you?" <laughs> yeah, like it's not a good sign. We should probably go. You you were you weren't here and you didn't hear drums. Now you're here and you hear drums. What has happened? Like, I mean, let's let's do basic math, Mister Quill. <laughs> And, and, and Quill supposedly has killed the Phantom. They briefly kind of mentioned that Quill supposedly killed the Phantom before. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the original reason the the kid did not come with them. Yeah. That this land is protected by the ghost that walks. And uh, the interpreter is like, wait, say what now? And he's, and he's like, oh, the Phantom. And then that's when you find out Quill has... The Quill has killed the Phantom at some point. Yeah. So Phantom shows up. Quill goes, "How are you doing here?" They have a big fight. It's a pretty good fight. I'm not gonna knock it. It's competent action. No. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to skip. I'm, I'm I'm moving ahead now though because I don't want to spend too much nope. time on just the good stuff because that's not what we're here. Kind of. <laughs> right. I mean, it's important to land on good stuff because I do have good stuff written. Like after this, yeah. it hard cuts to Billy Zane in the Phantom's like skull cave which is dope um yes they show from the outside later lesser amenities (laughs) yeah yeah they show outside there's just a giant cave with a skull painted on it um Mm -hmm. and it has a has a library and candles and and a manservant that can listen to radios um Yeah. yeah so we go there and billy zane's there shirtless for some reason and he's he's reading book to try yeah. to figure out what the skulls are yeah and supposedly he figures out that the skulls are related for the reason that the, the tribe raised him and stuff but i'm watching this and i'm i'm hypnotized though because i'm like billy zane looks really good and oh yeah yeah he's a handsome let's get that out of the way he's right su- now he's super handsome in this he's extremely built for this movie even though the costume does not show it um no and I'm looking at it, I'm like, why wasn't Billy Zane Batman? <laughs> like, because this, well, this, is, this is before the Clooney Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I'm like, he had an opportunity. Like, I wonder if he was in the running and the Phantom killed that for him. But 
I was, I was, I was just saying, I was like, he, like Billy Zane looks like a superhero, like yeah, a '90s superhero, like out yeah. of costume. Mm-hmm. And even more so later when he goes to New York. This happens later. He goes to New York and he's just as a dude, like he's he's very charismatic as just the dude. Well, when he's when he's in New York, I'm like, man, he like based on the way he's been acting in this film. I don't know. We're skipping ahead. We'll we'll, we'll come yeah, back. We'll come back around. Um, but like, I got, I got Clark Kent vibes. Yeah, no, same. That works too. And like, and like, you say what you want about the Christopher Reeve Superman. Like, I think that's the best Superman. That's, but that's my opinion. But it's also because he's like so detached in that role, Christopher Reeve in that Superman. And I'm sitting there thinking, why wasn't Billy Zane Superman? Yeah, because not deliver i mean he's not delivering like the pantomime of an act like he's just like yeah and, there, and there's <laughs> a scene where he's he's in new york and he's he's leaving the cab and the cab driver's like hey you're gonna pay me and he hands him i guess african money and the yeah. cab driver's like we don't take this he's like oh my bad and he's like trying to find something in his pockets and he pulls out just this handful of jewels and he goes here this should cover it <laughs> yeah he's like i don't need these like that, that's a, that's some superman shit like yeah. that's that you know, Billy's aimed for Superman, as far as I'm concerned. Also, uh, fun fact: that cab driver, Aguado, in the first Ace Ventura movie. Oh, I, that one, that reference is not land with me. That's okay. That's just my mind being a death trap for bullshit. Um, um, but so after like he Billy's in in his cave is like, hey, this is connected somehow. It hard cuts to New York, and we get introduced to the the quote unquote love interest for the movie um and all these rich people and so i heard her dad is the head of a newspaper right yes and he's having he's i guess he's having some kind of showcase or maybe it's someone else's party i really don't know whose party it is it's foundation gala banquet situation yeah and then uh some dudes flirting with the lead girl who he he has no purpose of being there other than just the the smarmy dude he's in two scenes Mm -hmm. And he yes. serves no purpose to the whole movie, but they give him dialogue anyways. Um, yeah. Both and, scenes yeah. off. I, I am rich boy that's been put in the friend zone energy. Like yeah. that's that this guy is. But we see the dad like knowing that Treat Williams' character is a bad dude. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, also, it's a very open secret how bad Treat Williams is and no one's doing what? anything about it. Continue. I don't want to start. I don't want. I don't want to start on Tree Williams just yet. You go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, but um, so he's like talking to the the chief of police and somebody else. I don't remember who the other guy was. Um, and he's like, yeah, maybe we should look into Tree Williams's character. He seems like he's doing something shady. I hear he's getting into some mystics stuff. It's weird. And then all yeah. of a sudden, Tree Williams shows up and he goes, "I heard you're talking about me." Yeah, your reporters are po- poking into me when I'm just a private citizen. Yeah. Like typical, typical like crime lord dialogue in yeah. Tree Williams. And, and it turns later that Treat Williams is uh, like the thing is this movie is pulp and it works because Treat Williams at first is a very scary kind of pulp villain where yes he's chewing the scenery but he seems very dangerous like he actually seems okay. dangerous um yeah you learn that the chief of police is working with Treat Williams his character so he's t- he's feeding the information of the the, the news guy um mm-hmm. but there's a scene later on 
uh not later like it's like the next scene where treat williams is like in his office and he calls in like the library guy the guy that's keeping all the records for what treat williams is researching and he goes hey someone's been digging into me have you been letting people look at what i've been looking into he goes no i haven't and they and they let you know ahead of time that there's a knife in this um or these pair of knives in this uh um microscope and treat williams like you know what i believe you man but before you go how about you look into this microscope for me yeah and your opinion like i'm like okay hold on the librarian needs to look into a microscope i'm i don't know what a librarian does I know that uh, an acquaintance of mine for about how long now? About seven years is a librarian. Yeah. And he, he's explained to me, like, it's not just knowing the Dewey Decimal System and yeah. putting books or that goes into it. I get that. But I don't know how much microscope usage he's doing. Yeah. Or he's, you know, coming into contact with. So, like, the fact that this librarian's like, oh, you need me. I will look in. <laughs> he, he just might be like a really good researcher that True Williams is using. I could have misunderstood that he was a librarian. But either way, he goes over and he stabs his own eyes out while Treat Williams is just standing watching. And he goes, oh, I guess you don't need your glasses anymore and breaks them. And that's like the most perfect pulp villain introduction that you could ever ask for. Like, I was like, uh, yeah, I, I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's onto some villain shit because he, has, he says, oh, you, don't, you, can't, you can't see what's in the microscope? turn on the focus and you just see the word written liar (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's like it's it's totally goofy but at the same time very dark and like it works because that's kind of what pulp is it's towing that line between the goofy and the dark side of noir and stuff depending what genre you're in um so when at first while watching this i'm like this movie's hitting all of those notes it's towing the line perfectly between these two kind of subgenres. um Mm -hmm. And then the scene, so basically, uh, the what's the lead actress's name again? Uh, Christy Swanson. So Christy Swanson gets told by her dad, hey, can you go to Africa for me to figure out what's going on with this skull? Like, can you do this for me? Because I can't go because it's too dangerous, but would you go for me? Yeah, and then the, the, the skulls, I just want to point this out, because when Billy, when Billy Zane is back in the, back, the skull cave looking at his book, one of the skulls looks like the mask of the late yeah. great rap doom which just made me happy <laughs> i just want to say that real quick this is not uh this is, the, the mask that we see in the movie does not look like mf doom's mask but if it was that would make this so much better just saying um but the thing is like the movie is very purposefully a lot of the time there's a few times where it's not but it's very purposely a lot of the time letting its female characters have agency mm-hmm. christy swanson is oh. very much a character that is not a damsel in distress though she does get in nope. trouble she could rescue herself like they obviously show how she could rescue herself she stands up for herself multiple times throughout the movie and uh-huh. same thing with Catherine zeta jones's character even though she's that bad guy she like <laughs> knows when it's time to leave yeah yeah, like she knows, she knows, she's, she knows when there's a freaking problem. Like, yeah. hey. <laughs> so, like, honestly, yeah. What are you going to say? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say this movie is very, like, forward thinking of how it's treating its female leads compared to mm-hmm. a lot of superhero movies or a lot of just pulp movies at the time, too. Yeah. When, like, when they, when, um, so, so we get to the point where, 
Christy Swanson is headed to Africa. She gets like the plane that she's on gets boarded. Yeah. Uh, by by women yeah. assailants led by Catherine Zeta Jones, mm-hmm. and she. I mean, Catherine Zeta Jones walks into this scene like a fucking badass. She's like, "I'm looking for, like, I'm looking for Diane Palmer." which I keep on wanting to call her Laura Palmer because I'm a Twin Peaks fan, but that's going to be a problem I'm just going to have to live with. Um, so if I do that, I apologize. But uh, but she goes, I'm looking for Diane Palmer and I'm going to start killing people until she steps forward. <laughs> and then Christy Swanson steps forward and like pulls off Catherine Zeta-Jones's eyewear and hood and I don't remember what Catherine Zeta-Jones' quip was, but I was just like, man, are they creating sexual tension here? Yeah, it's, it's a little odd about like the tension where they build it. Because they build it in multiple places, but they don't release it in all the places. They don't release it anywhere. And the place where they try and 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 just like not to... not The places where they tried to be um, heteronormative in this movie like that's the sexual tension that is just like nope this feels fake wrong and bad <laughs> yeah i thought they were also i thought they were charming together in new york but nowhere else really they try to play out like christy Swanson's character was in love with the phantom but when it's just him out of costume and her in new york that's when it felt fun yeah it's there, there was something that felt right about it there but like when uh, when we get into what happens with uh, Catherine Zeta Jones's character and Billy Zane as well, yeah. like I mean, it's clear it, it's clear like if this was if this was always present in the comic strip, um, it's 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 almost a, a a very clear additional inspiration for uh, the women in Uncharted because there's very much a love triangle thing happening to be, to be fair there is a phantom comic where he is smashing someone's face in with a pride flag so he stands he stands up for people good, good for the fa- good for the phantom good um, for the phantom uh, uh, uh so yeah i, I was actually going to talk about Catherine zeta jones's character since she so- shows up here two years from now like just two years from in 1998 she's in the mask of zorro as the one as the lead of that and that mm-hmm. movie does gangbusters it does bananas and both the phantom and zorro are from the same era almost so it's wild to me that the phantom just didn't work but zorro did um i have a few thoughts about why but we'll get to those later um okay uh what else do i have on here so yeah phantom saves her he he goes to new york as himself they're like, oh, where's the other? The other skull has to be here somewhere. And Treat Williams is talking to his henchman saying, yeah, I know <laughs> the skull is here somewhere. And again, another classic pulp villain thing that he does. Um, he He's talking to all these bad guys. He's talking to like his council of bad guys. One guy has cold feet, kind of like in the first uh, Michael Keaton jo- Joker Batman movie, right? Like yeah. the Joker's talking to the council of bad guys. One guy has cold feet. Joker kills him. Uh, I mean, the class, speaking of pulp, like not the movie pulp fiction, yeah. but pulp concept, like in the Dick Tracy comics, in the Dick yeah. Tracy movie, like um, I, I believe that happens with yeah. Al Pacino in that movie. Like this is a, this is almost a trope. 
but Treat Williams harpoons a man or spears a man. Spears a man in a boardroom, like with the no chief chip. of police in there. <laughs> but also, I thought now this is this is another Matt's mind is a death trap for bullshit. Um, the person who gets speared in the back, uh, he's in, I think he's in more than a few episodes of the show Seinfeld as a dry cleaner. Well, um, the chief of police is old Hollywood too. He's been in a bunch of stuff also. There's a lot of older oh, Hollywood people in this movie. There, there were, as I was going through this movie, I'm like, wow, I've seen all of these faces somewhere. Yeah. And most, and well, and then the other, the his brother, uh, the guy who gets Harpoon's brother, the, who's sitting across from him at the board table. I looked at his name, but I immediately forgot it. He's been in so many movies that it's unfathomable. Like I, immediate things that come to mind. Uh, if you've ever seen the Weird Al Yankovic joint UHF, yep. he's the guy that goes broads don't belong in broadcasting. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, basically like, and I tend to describe things, to describe people whom I do not know their name as like a reference to who they look like. He's basically a knockoff Joe Montana. I, I was thinking to myself, he looks like a knockoff um Oh gosh, what had his name? Al Pacino. Yeah, well, I think he looks like a knockoff of a knockoff of Al Pacino because Al, Pacino, like I could, I could definitely like Joe Montana, Chaz Palmieri. Like yeah. if they needed a double, they go to this guy. Yeah. Um, he's been in a ton of. He was in. I think he was in Mean Streets as well. Uh, he's probably been in several Scorsese gangster movies at this point. Like, uh, or at the point of the phantoms release like he's not uh he's not he's he's a constantly working actor i think he's still working today um so this is so after so basically the phantom and um and uh oh gosh treat williams's character figure out where the third skull or the second skull is right away it's in the museum in town and this is for me where the third act kind of starts even though this should be the middle act still it yeah. kind of starts here and this is where everything kind of starts falling apart slowly in this movie where they so the phantom goes to the museum with uh with uh the, the lady chrissy swanson thank you i always forget about names um call her vampire slayer can we just can we just do that <laughs> yeah, we can call her buffy um, okay and so he goes there and he goes oh there's the skull behind this glass so he just chucks a rock into it like this is the wrong time period wrong era what are they doing in this museum and she and, she, and i love her line though her line is like i guess that's one way to get it yeah uh, so like, what, when she's like i know people like we can get we can, i can make sure that this happens <laughs> it's like nope don't have time treat williams is his, his gang show up they beat the they beat uh billy zane up because he's not the phantom so he can't pretend to be as the classic superhero trope goes i'm not in costume so i can't be the hero exactly and he gets the two skulls they put them in a bag (laughs) and it feels like they like like off camera that you were just shaking the bag together Mm -hmm. and then he opens up the bag and he's like now the two skulls will point me to the third one and it's like starts storming and blowing the windows in and then a laser points on a map a a conveniently placed map in the area oh that it's in well, the like devil's triangle. Round. 
Williams spins the two skulls around like he's looking for it. <laughs> yeah, like it's a metal detector. It's a compass. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, it's in the Devil's Triangle, which I'm assuming is like uh, the Bermuda Triangles, what they were kind of alluding to, but they didn't want to say it. Yeah. Or it's, or, I mean, so did the, I, I don't know when the Bermuda Triangle became a thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm wondering if, like, I mean, this is, you know, 1938. So chances are there's still a lot of exploration happening just in Africa yeah. for colonial purposes. Uh, so I'm assuming that this is very similar to that because I, because I think it isn't, Bermuda is just south of the U.S. Yeah, and the the island that they point to, if I remember correctly, it is north of the western part of Africa. Yeah, I think they're trying to just keep it close because it's supposed to be kind of connected to there. Yeah, um, and but here, here's my here's where it comes to pacing is like this movie's only an hour and 40 minutes long like it mm-hmm. could have more if it wanted to and there's 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 no middle part between really him figuring out where they need to go and then just going there there's like one scene it's just for billy zane to get out of uh being like arrested and yep. get putting his phantom costume on and then chasing mm-hmm. after them nothing else really happens yep. in that scene um nope and so it feels like we're just at it all of a sudden like his movie's been plotted like pretty well so far and all of a sudden just a breakneck speed to the third act um, yeah and so here's my question for you because i might have missed it because this movie didn't always have my full attention when they're doing the chase scene did, uh, <laughs> anyway continue yeah when they're doing the, the chase scene to treat williams's plane and he's in the cab with the cabbie that knows him his yeah. phantom dad shows up Yes. Is that the first time that happens? No. Okay. When does it happen no. before? Dad, the, dad, the dad shows up early on in uh, the broke ass bat cave that he lives in. Okay. I just was. I guess I missed that that was supposed to be his dad. Um. It, but but he, it ha- the way that it sets this up is you see there's like an, a complete conversation that happens between Billy Zane and his dad, and then one of the one of the two manservants show up and go are you talking to somebody yeah see i like i must have spaced and missed that that's yeah it, it's fine i think the only so full disclosure i've told you this but i've not told our uh, not told our, our anybody that might listen to this uh this is my th- i got through this on my third try and that's because this week was ac- actually ended up being weirdly eventful in a way that i was tired a lot of it so yeah, I, I would fall asleep either right before or right after the museum and wake up and see the movie was over. I'm like, okay. So then I sat down today and I'm like, I'm getting through this. <laughs> I think I took like a couple of super espressos and drank them right before watching it just to make sure I didn't fall asleep somehow. Um, but yeah, uh, th- that, that was, that happens, uh, once before and once later yeah it happens once later and uh, as i was watching that i was like well he did just get go through he tamed a tiger that's that's beside the point right now but he, he did just go through an ordeal so i'm like did he get concussed is that what this is he's yeah it's a concussion so he's he's yeah. dreaming 
Um, okay. Yeah. And then, of course, Tiger. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> um, so anyways, so they go to, they go to the Devil's uh, Triangle. It turns out this is where the secret organization that's been killing Phantoms and killed uh, Billy Zane's dad um, comes from is this area. <laughs> Which yes. is very convenient. Mm-hmm. They've talked about this organization once. Yes. Well, they mentioned it. They mentioned it in the in the narration of the yeah. beginning of the movie. And then Billy Zane mentions it once. Billy Zane mentions it once, and they reference that spider web symbol. Yeah. Oh yeah, because I forgot. Um, yeah, uh, Treat Williams mentions it himself too in the meeting. Yeah um Which, so they they go there and it's a bunch of pirates and it's one of the most bad and also racially stereotyped mustaches on um the dude who's in mortal Kombat. i don't remember his name yeah um, <laughs> the the um what is his name who's he playing mortal Kombat? i don't remember now he's like the big I, bad I, uh shang zone he might be shang zone in mortal Kombat. um the original yeah, he's like the big leader of the, these pirates and he has again like the worst like Fu Manchu just taped on their mustache. It's falling off halfway through this scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think in one of in one of the action scenes it's just not there anymore. Yeah. And so Treat Williams this is where he stops being a scary bad guy and full on goes into the goofy bad guy or yeah, he like, goes into white like yeah. here I'm here a deal i don't we can be friends yeah yeah he's like trying to make a deal he's like i just want the skull i just want the skull look yeah he does everything except say greed works from wall street like he's, yeah he spells out his name and makes sure that they know it starts with an x oh, oh, oh. my name is xander drax x-a-n-d-e-r-d-r-a-x it begins and ends with an x i'm from new york yeah Again, I love Treat Williams. This is just too much. And then you have yeah. the Phantom sneaking around, which is cool. And Catherine Zeta-Jones sees him and is like, oh, I should probably be quiet about this because somehow it feels like she's in on it with the Phantom, the whole movie for me. Like yeah. on the plane, it felt like they were in on it together, like they were setting up Treat Williams, but they never established that fully. Yeah, I mean, this, this, like, and you said to me earlier today that you're not 100% sure what Kathleen Zeta-Jones' function is. And I don't, I, I mean, I don't know of any, like, like you can say plot happened in this film and you can say action happened in this film, but I don't know what, it, I don't know, I don't know why these, you never really learn why getting these skulls together is bad other than they produce a force greater yeah. than that greater than which can be produced by man treat williams has uh, no motive other than he just likes to be a bad guy yeah he's just he's just I'm like i've got nice suits and mm -hmm. i'm a capitalist so i have to be bad um and then Catherine Catherine zeta jones apart from being given some of the weirdest dialogue because um there's Oh wait, no, that was Christy Swanson who said, "Your dog's a wolf." <laughs> yeah, he goes, "No." Um, um, but my favorite thing is so. Um, basically, it looks like they're going to kill him, and uh, and 
uh, Treat Williams goes, hey, hey, there's people know we're here. They're going to come with an army if you kill us. And then the brother of the guy that Treat Williams killed goes, there's no army, but I have a gun. (laughs) So (laughs) the lead pirate goes, oh, you have a gun, huh? And then he says something in their pirate language and they fire a cannon at him. him. They fire a cannon at him and blow him across the island, basically. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes you bring a little gun, you can get got by a bigger gun. <laughs> yeah. And then the Phantom makes his, his appearance. He drops. They fight. Um, a really bad James Bond scene happens where the big pirate guy is like, "I'm gonna kill another Phantom," and you see these sharks in this water behind them that weren't there before, <laughs> but now they are. Um, before no. And then he Phantom just does a really easy flip <laughs> and flips him into the water, and i could be wrong but it looked like that water was standable <laughs> oh it like, was yeah oh it 100 was and then he incidentally gets eaten <laughs> and then during this treat williams gets the third skull all of a sudden has super like a, a racer power <laughs> like just blow people up and yeah i should mention this because this will make sense unless i do the pirate mentions that there's a fourth skull that controls the three skulls and treat williams is like yeah we got it over there oh god this this like i'm like oh no they're doing they're doing this there's too much exposition in the third act there shouldn't be this much exposition in the third act see like see it it was like i said the the third act was 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 cutting itself in order to like feel something the reason i said that is because up until the museum actually up until and including the museum this is not a bad movie it's not a great movie. There's a good thing happening here, but it's not really. I think they realized when they got to the third act, they didn't have a plot all of a sudden. Yeah, well, there's just like, it's like they forgot to, they, they realized how much they forgot to explain. Yeah. In the, in the third act. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. We have all these questions. And we can't go and, back and reshoot anything. Yeah, and, and like and, and like how do we I mean and I'm kind of wondering like if the, what the dialogue was on set, like how do we answer these questions? Yeah. And so Treat Williams and the Phantom have a fight in this weird place where all of a sudden um submarines that can explode because they have missiles on them, even though that doesn't make sense, um right. are there. And the fan goes, oh, I know where the fourth skull is. I've had it all my life, and now I finally know what it is. And he has a skull ring that they've barely uh-huh. touched upon, uh, but it's in all the yep. promotional. If you see a poster for this, he's holding the ring finger out. Yeah, yeah. smash evil. Like, and he's, you see a, you see half of Billy Zane's face, and the other half is a fist with a skull ring on it. Yeah. You, there's reference to the skull ring the entire movie before this, and that's when you see Quill feel his face yeah at the beginning of the movie you see a skull shaped like burn scar yeah and so he uses the ring to throw back the energy back at um treat williams and blows him up in this in the worst special effects this movie has great stunts pretty good effects this whole third act has the worst stunts and the worst effects it was i i I mean i'm glad you brought up that the person who wrote this wrote last crusade because the entire exchange of lasers between the phantom and treat williams 
or or Xander Drax, his name begins. It's very much the cup at the end of the Last Crusade, but it, the cup scene's better. It, but well, no, it's it's like it's like an amalgamation of that scene and the opening of the arc in yeah. Raiders Dark. Like I'm like, they're this is what they're go- like. They're spelling out what they're going for, and the degree to which they miss the mark is almost impressive yeah they somehow it's, yeah, yeah. it's like it's, they were turned around facing the opposite way from a pitcher and swinging with the opposite hand they were supposed to like i didn't get any of it they and they somehow make it back to the island um I, they don't explain how they get there they just use the submarine somehow um well, no actually the the submarine like it um surfaces but then billy zane is just on the submarine well, he, he grabbed the, the chain he grabbed the chain that was attached that's why he attached the chain so oh okay right. but again right. i don't know how that submarine though gets them back to the island but they don't need to establish that because that's basically no, like have a conversation yeah and i'm waiting i, I and i said this to you like I'm, this is the point where i think Catherine zeta jones and christy swanson should have said go away billy zane and just sailed away in the sunset and they and- kind of do though even though they kind of don't at the same time because the ending is very i think the ending is good the the phantom got revenge on the person who killed his dad that was the main the, one of the other bad guys that got blasted by the yeah. lasers um yes. he, he knows he knows he has to still be the hero of the of the, the island um he feels really good in his heroism and yes, he does like Christy. He lo- he loves Christy Swanson, but like he's like I can't go with you, which is a pretty good hero thing. And mm-hmm. Christy Swanson and Catherine Zeta Jones seem like they're gonna fly off and go out, have adventures themselves because they seem like they're good friends now. <laughs> um, yeah, all of a sudden, you know, at one point Christy Swanson and they're exchanging punches and yeah. keeping score. Um, but at the end, and then like says, I claim the body when you're done with it. When they're referencing killing Billy Zane's character, which yeah. is like, what is that? Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, at the end, there's over there's an overdub by his dad saying, "My son is an idiot and didn't go with true love. He wanted to be a hero, but that doesn't mean she's not going to come back for him." And so that's kind of how they end it. Which, you know, as far as um, just being uh a dude i felt like i related to that because i'm pretty sure i've messed up with a partner (laughs) where i just where i should have just said yeah i'll go and then just didn't uh but that's a completely different that's a completely different thing so um my my final thought though on the film is like here's here's what i think other than the third act we talked about the third act that yeah i think its biggest issue is the character of the phantom itself it's a pulp hero and like what they did with Zoro is they gave Zoro like a really good origin in that in that first movie where both of like you have uh gosh what's his name Anthony Hopkins is uh loses his family they all get killed his, his wife gets killed and the daughter uh gets kidnapped uh who becomes Catherine Zeta-Jones um and then you have Antonio Banderas who's a thief in the movie and they kind of like run into each other eventually that's a really well established thing where the phantom is very quickly established we it's so quick that you don't know you can't breathe until he shows up on screen again um Mm -hmm. and then his like his design is not 
made for a modern audience it's just kind of it looks gross that the, the full purple leotard looks yeah. gross yeah i mean i mean I, I know i've made the joke to you that he looks like one of the aquabats yeah um, but like the aquabats and, and, are goofy because they want to be goofy yeah they're they're being they're they're self-aware of their goofiness whereas the phantom is somehow i mean the, the Ultimately, like where where I was left in the movie, like wow, this is really problematic. Um, just just because, like, the white dude has to stay in Africa to protect the natives. Yeah, I I, I get that, but for the most part, yeah. they don't touch it. So, like, yeah, they kind of yeah, touch they it. Don't- yeah they push that aside for the most part so that's not even like the main focus i just think about the main focus is on this character that's bland when you see him because again we talked about anytime billy zane's out of costume he's fantastic but anytime he's in costume he's the most boring character yeah and i i I ultimately i i mean i that's probably i've never read the phantom but i can't imagine and I'm not like I'm not a comics historian. I've not. I mean, like the the only older things I've read were were stuff when I was a kid, and I don't remember them very much. Yeah. But it's. I think it just sort of fits like. It fits. It fits the pulp. Yeah. In a lot. Uh, because most pulp, anything, the protagonist is boilerplate uh, more, mainly because i think and i think that's probably the idea is to put the reader in that situation but ultimately like this film doesn't create i mean like films sort of work their best on empathy yeah i was neither empathetic nor did i hate billy's i felt nothing yeah for Kit Walker, who is established as that's his real name, like Kit Walker, delightful. Yep. You know, hypnotizing even. Uh, the Phantom, I, I like you. you I, great. You have a purple suit, you live in the jungle, and you have a mask that would be used by infinite superheroes after you. Congratulations. I, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, like, I think the thing is, like, I think about Dick Tracy, which I think came out a little bit before this, maybe a little after. Um, yeah. And the Zorro, because these are the same era. These three characters are the same era in, in like, history of comics. Zorro, they updated to modern times, and they did it very well. Mm-hmm. Or Dick Tracy, they really doubled down. Warren Beatty doubled down on that pulp. And for me, mm-hmm. I know that movie didn't do well. I mean, it did okay. But, like, I think it's a really holds up extremely well, too. Yeah, that movie's better than than uh, audiences received it. Yeah, but this movie tries to do both. It tries to update the world around it, but doesn't update the character to follow. Or any of the characters. It doesn't update the villain either. So like, there's no, a lot of modern things happening in this movie, while the character yeah. the characters are very pulpy, and so it loses its it loses its identity by, by the third act. 100 percent 
Well, and then, but the, I don't know if, um, the film definitely loses its identity. I don't really know, I don't really know how, the, the film definitely loses its identity because it was, it got lost in itself real fast. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, what was, because, like very, I, I've never seen a superhero movie, and there might be some out there that exist. I've never seen a superhero movie that waits till after the climax to really flesh out the backstory. Yeah. Like, because that's what <laughs> that's what this does. Like, yes, I'm not. I, I'm I'm not immortal. I don't have superpowers. I this skull cave is actually, you know, I sleep ten feet from my family's mausoleum where and- every fan. <laughs> the true thing is like the the guy the his uh his basically butler that calls him master he, he goes i don't want him to call me that he just does yeah like his servants are trolling him the entire time like it's, it's a very of... fun throwaway that he's like like i'm actually a pretty progressive dude this place is just kind of stuck <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah I, I i think overall like if i had like if we were giving movie scores which i don't think we need to but i think this one kind of like it's hard it's hard to like judge how at least i feel about the movie by the way i'm talking about it i think it's a solid like b movie like i think it's good enough to watch again with friends um uh, maybe not by myself but with friends i think it'd be a fun movie to watch um it's highly rated by people who watch it people love this movie um yeah it, it just it i think tonally it's just a bit off near the third act right and 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 like and i think b movie is 100 apt um this is this is a lot of the flaws that exist here uh are in some of the great b movies of all time (laughs) like i i i mean you know excluding like plan nine from outer space which is kind of like film school textbook on keeping track of things that you're working on uh the third act you could point to plan nine and say like there's a lot of that here too like bad effects bad storytelling bad i mean bad character development to a degree um does the phantom do better than that yes it does by a stretch but but like yeah this is definitely solid b movie both in grade and classification <laughs> now oh i do want to i do want to bring up briefly that this isn't the only phantom product that exists in the modern era um there is a tv miniseries that came out in 2010 called the phantom what and it's and again it's the costume doesn't look the same it's very updated for 20 it looks goofy still don't get me wrong it looks silly because it's a tv thing but it's updated right. for a modern era it looks updated and it looks kind of cool like i, I can say that like, i'm like i wouldn't be ashamed to say this looks cool if someone agreed with me um okay and like I, it, does, I, it has a 5.8 on imdb that saying it's like a really cool thing it's a two episode miniseries um okay but the guy that directed it directed all of Wyona Earp. One of the writers um, is a writer on stuff like, uh, let me see, or he's a producer on, no, he's a writer for The Blacklist, um, that oh. Dracula miniseries that came out a few years ago, like where Spartacus he wrote on. So, like, oh, wow. Has competent people on it. So, I'm curious what that looks like. I might try to track that down because it's only two episode miniseries. 
I yeah, I, I might I might go with you on that journey. Just yeah, to, just we, because, we might, just like, we might bring it up as a mini thing at the end of an episode. Yeah, there we go. Uh, because yeah, ultimately, like I found like after this movie, I found myself hating Billy Zane just like on a visceral level, significantly less. Like yeah, Billy Zane was like, already. It, it bums me out that he didn't have his own like franchise of some sort, a smash movie yeah. franchise. Like, yeah, if, I, I if Jean Claude Van Damme can keep getting movies, I don't know why Billy Zane can't keep getting movies. Yeah, Jean Claude Van Damme is still getting work, huh? Um, so the kind of move on to the kind of the end segments here. Um, Matthew, what else have you been watching? So I have been, uh, no movies this week but I've been watching a crap ton of anime Uh, joining the fold. uh, Yeah. Well, I've, I've always considered myself like anime curious and like now I've just had time decided to pick up Funimation and some other things and just say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Um, When uh, I, so I started. uh, So folks, we know uh, do a podcast on um on my hero academia and i have uh as i was watching that show i think i stopped midway through the fourth season like i I was caught up with both their pod and uh the show and it has been a while since i watched it so i'm just like you know what i'm going to start re-watching my hero academia and listening to this podcast in because um it's called the big three uh uh jess cam and nate on some good shows do a really they they do a really good recap of this show and it's fun to listen to on top of like this show just being fun to watch like yes it's anime it's hype as shit and um the cast is uh as lovable as it is just bombastic uh but also like going through i'm midway through the second season now and going through it i'm starting to think that this might be one of those series that i find myself attaching to like gundam nice which is which is that leads me into another thing i've been i've been watching more i've been repeating i've been repeating other gundam series that i that i've seen before uh as i kind of put together some funds to buy blu-rays for series i don't have um that's always a good time uh i started and finished uh the ova series uh record of lotus war um i'd heard of this based on a review that dia lacina wrote on waypoint i believe for uh for a game that came out called deedlet something or other and i had heard of this anime but never watched it and she references it multiple times in this review so I'm like i'm gonna watch it and i got through it in like two days it's like 13 half hour episodes mm-hmm. i got through it really fast and if there was ever a show i would say feels like a bunch of people got together had a really epic time on D for a while and tried to write it down yeah um in character like that's what this is and it honestly like it's from 
like 89, 90. It is not, it is, I mean, I think it's still in the era of hand-drawn anime. And it was actually really delightful. A lot of, a lot of the characters kind of seem blah at the beginning and it's actually kind of hard to get into. It starts cutting back and forth across different time periods really fast. But if you just watch an episode, sort of take a beat to sort of figure out where you're at, you can keep up with it really well. It's, it ended up being something really interesting to watch and I would highly recommend it um, if anybody were into just trying a fantasy uh, style anime with like a like a D&D style fantasy anime. It, it's really, it was, it's a really good watch and a lot of the characters by the end actually found found me like both rooting and caring about whatever they did and it was, it was nice. it's really cool. Um, other than that, uh, I found out that the writer of Berserk passed away today. Yes. And that sucks. <laughs> um, I know, I know I've told you this, but like Berserk is the first manga I've ever read. Yeah. I've only read volume one of the hardcover. Like I haven't started two, but like, wow, that, I mean, I don't have very definitive thoughts on the manga i just i've just decided to read it and if i'm still interested at the time of finishing a hardcover i will keep going yeah and this the manga did not start off great for me but it kind of zips it's it kind of picked up steam about midway through and uh and, and i want to keep going so uh, I do, I do, I will say I like it. Um, if I know, I've also heard that there are plenty of problems with it as well, uh, specifically as, as, as you move on through yeah. the series. And uh, I have not really done any examination into any of those, so I will take them as they come. Yeah, the thing about Berserk is just like, it's, it's such an impactful dark fantasy story, though, in general, even with its problems without. Um, sure. There's not a modern dark fantasy thing that berserk hasn't touched that's just simple as that so that's why it's such a huge loss oh yeah i mean i mean like i'm a big fan of the dark souls games yeah and uh friends of mine who are who are i don't know what the i don't know what the endearing way to describe anime and manga fans is nerds well (laughs) other than well like but like when you say you're a nerd, all of a sudden everyone thinks, oh, well, so you're a nerd. So you like Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, all of that. Know. I feel like anime and mangas <laughs> get mixed in there much more now too. But but like, but I, I've heard the term weeb thrown around, but I've also heard that's pejorative and I don't want to do that to a fandom because that's not who I am as a dude. Uh, but people have always said like, if you like the, these games, you should read this because... Yeah basically it's this and ultimately they're not they're not really wrong and yeah. uh, it's been, been an interesting read and this is a whole other subject for my other show about comics but it really does show like how hard the manga industry is on its creators especially if you're going it by yourself like he is like he's the sole writer and artist i mean like there's background artists and other inkers and stuff but like the main mm-hmm. writer and artist it's really it's really hard keep up with especially with the uh, uh, story is complex and art complex as berserk is um, yeah well i mean so, yeah your thing uh i just listened to your most recent episode i forget the person's name 
uh, Kalen Rosenberg. Yes, yes. Uh, they were talking. Yeah, they were talking about just how hard that industry is. Yeah. Just in general, and it and it, it feels like this author, the author of Berserk, uh, is truly a casualty of that, which sucks. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully, you're up to so, to some more fun stuff. Kind of, um, it's been a movie week for me, even though I am watching anime in between, nothing related note. Um, but movie wise, I, I watched Phoenix, which is, I want to say it's a German technically film, even though there's English in it at times, um, that our mutual friend Grace recommended to me when the Criterion sale was happening. Okay. Uh, it's very good. It's a very tragic story. Um, not going to get into much details about that because maybe we'll watch one day. Um, but it's good. Um, then I watched House, the 1970s Japanese horror movie. Oh man! Oh yes, I love that movie. That movie is uh, such a wild time, and I don't know how else to explain it. Oh, buddy, it's 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 one of those things that it's it's one of those films I've seen four or five times in the past five years and still don't know what it, i still don't know how to describe it yeah it's one of those movies where like you have you enjoy watching the chaos but when you're done you're like i can't tell you what happened in this movie yeah i can tell you no idea died. um yeah like, and, it got weird and that's it yeah and now i'm slowly working my way to the oceans franchise and then i'm probably gonna watch logan lucky after i'm done with oceans just because i'm steven soderbergh kick What's prompting the Oceans franchise? I wanted to watch a heist movie, and they have all the Oceans movies on HBO Max. So I started the first one. I'm like, well, this is, since I started the, since I watched the first one, I should watch the other three. How um, many did they make? There's Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Yes. And then there's Oceans 8, which is the all-female one. Okay. Um, which mm-hmm. is fascinating, because like this keeps happening to me. I'm watching Oceans, and all of a sudden, they just announced a new Steven Soderbergh movie coming to HBO Max in July. <laughs> like it happened to me with warrior i finished warrior and they announced season three i'm like oh man just my lucky day my favorite the things i'm enjoying i'm getting more of so yeah that's all that's all i've been consuming um the the next thing is our next movie uh two weeks from now is my pick and we're going to be watching i want to make sure i get the name right so let me load it up real fast to do a criterion film a Criterion film, which is also on HBO Max, though, if you don't have Criterion, because I know that's expensive to have both. Um, it's Mikey and Nikki. Uh, one of the biggest stars in it is Peter Falk. I've never seen anything Peter Falk other than Columbo, so I'm very interested to... Oh, and uh, Princess Bride. Um, so I'm excited to see to him in something else. I was I was glad you said that, because I was like, wait a minute, you haven't seen Princess Bride? I have definitely seen Princess Bride. I was about, I was about to just say, I know what we're doing after. Um, so... Uh, uh, I forget who this film is directed by, but I'm pretty sure he's opposite John Cassavetes. Yeah. And, uh, and this is John definitely Cass- a darker movie than we, the last two that we've done. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. J- John Cassavetes, just for his, just for history's sake, is kind of a pivotal figure in the independent film movement because so so many of his films were done on indie budgets i and i believe many of them were done outside the studio system in the 70s and 80s let me see who directed it so i can 
I know I, I know this one is not I think this is I think the reason Elaine Cassavetes, May. yes uh, uh, Cassavetes I think is in this to get a paycheck to finance I'm almost certain of it um, and I'm, but I, and ultimately I could be wrong but uh, but yeah this 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 film has been on my radar for a while and I'm glad to uh, um, what was the other choice? Oh, the other choice. Uh, it was the other one I, I was thinking about watching because, again, I'm on a heist kick. And I'm also, I just, for some reason, on a Robert Redford, I want to watch everything he's been in. Uh, the Hot Rock, which the is also on Criterion, which I'll probably watch other, during the week anyway. It's just because I'm on a heist kick. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to watch uh, My, uh, Mikey and Nikki two weeks from now. Um <laughs> If you have any thought, if you watch the Phantom, because we talked about it last episode, if you watch the Phantom and listen to this, and you have thoughts on the Phantom that you want us to talk about, just send them our way on our Twitter or email them to us. Uh, Matthew, what is our Twitter and what's our email? Our Twitter is at freereelingit, and our email is freereelingit at gmail.com. And who did our theme song? Uh, my buddy Jason. Uh, his name is Jason Herrick and uh, he's he's not really um, he is a musician but like he doesn't really have any other releases I don't even think he has a Bandcamp page, page at this point uh, because uh, the the, tra- the track that we use is actually not according to him is not fully mixed but uh, I told him I wanted the version that I listened to and he was like cool <laughs> so so <laughs> oddly enough jesse we may have a rarity on our hands Sweet. um but you can find you can find some of jason's work on spotify it is uh, a band called the hope street steppers uh they released an album called black lightning in 2013 it is one of my favorite reggae albums of all time it's fully instrumental um but they also spice in a whole bunch of of, of other flavors other than just one drop rhythms and ska horns uh it's a very good album uh spotify says it came out in 2014 uh that's wrong because i reviewed it on a blog in november of 2013 so you're wrong spotify it's the only time i'll ever really be able to say that um but yeah jason's also a home fan it'll probably be on the show at some point <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> um yeah hopefully we'll have ne- some guest news next episode we're still trying to work that out um but yeah thank you guys for listening once again to this episode um and i can't wait to hear what your guys' thoughts on the phantom <laughs> yes please send us thoughts on the phantom i would love to hear them that way i know that way i know that jesse and i are speaking to just <laughs> someone else please go through this journey with us so you guys have a good viewing uh experience this week and also waiting for your catchphrase i have a catchphrase i i thought the catchphrase was last week that you had i i don't have a cat i I'm, honestly jesse I've, I've been very tired this week so <laughs> it's very tiring it's very I, late for you right now uh, forgot so much this week so uh insert catchphrase here okay see you guys in two weeks <laughs> bye